0: I believe in a God of miracles. Hallelujah. Our God's not dead. He's not impotent. He's not unable. This is not a bunch of religious stuff that we go through we serve a living savior who is risen who's interested in you who knows everything about you and has the ability to be able to do anything that he chooses to do our God is almighty he is amazing what a miracle working God you might say well ah, but we're living in a very troubled time it's a good time to talk about the God of miracles Say, well, there's a lot of people very poorly. That's a good time to talk about a God of miracles. And I say, oh, yeah, but these economic times are very stretching. It's a good time to talk about a God of miracles. Amen. As we approach autumn and winter and, you know, the news has got us into a a winter of discontent and all of that. It's a good time to talk about a God of miracles. Amen. Ah, Hallelujah. You've got to actually believe some good news and the word of God. Oh, I tell you, it's good news. We need to have a filter in our head and in our heart and everything you hear, check it out with this. If the, if the world or somebody says this and it doesn't coincide with this, believe this, not that. Because our God is a God of miracles. Somebody might have said, even somebody close to you, family members, people around you have said something about you. If it doesn't line up with this believe this not them no matter how close they are to you because in the end God is a God of miracles and he's the he's the God of truth hallelujah there was a recovered alcoholic who became a believer and somebody from his past said to him he said don't be ridiculous you couldn't possibly believe that Jesus changed water into the wine that is absolutely ridiculous and the recovered alcoholic who's now become a believer said, I certainly do believe because I've never seen him change water into wine, but he changed my, the wine that I used to drink into furniture that I can now sit on. There's a miracle that can happen in, your, in, in, in our lives because God is a God who, who, who does miracles. Miracles for us are something that happens that we can't possibly do on our own. And when it happens, we accredit that to God and God alone. A miracle happens and we can't explain it. I can't explain to you what a miracle is, except to say to you, it's what God does. When I can't, when I've run out, when I can't, and God does, that's a miracle. When something happens that you can't explain, I've known people who've had a healing in their life that has been excited. There's healing and then there's miracles. You know, God processed and designed your body to heal. You know, if you have a, a broken bone, it heals. It's amazing, isn't it? If you have a cut on your skin, it heals. That's the that's the inbuilt miracle of God inside your body. But just sometimes He heals a bone in a moment, or He, he change takes a disease away in a moment, and that's a miracle. And I've known people, I've known doctors, I've spoken to doctors, and they've said it's one of those unexplainable things. Yep, we can't explain it except to say it's a God of miracles. You know, that's what a miracle is. A miracle is a divine intervention into life that isn't based on the skill of a person or the design of a, You know, our ourselves, so that we can end up taking the glory of it. It's a miracle. It's a divine intervention into our life. That's why it's called supernatural. You've got natural, and then you've got supernatural, and and God deals. He does well in the supernatural because you've got to remember that what is supernatural to us is just natural to Him. You know, we, we think like it's an extraordinary moment, and I can imagine God saying, no, it's just normal. That's what He does. He's a supernatural God. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible to the Lord. The Bible reveals God as being a God of miracles right from page one. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. I mean, what greater miracle have you got than that? When you look at creation, you look at nature, you look at childbirth, you look at the seasons changing, you look at gravity, you look at balance. I'm showing you something awesome here. (laughs) Even for me at my age. I mean, the way that God did gravity. The whole thing about the the environment and the and, and all of that, you know, we've spent quite a bit of time in airplanes recently. We'll be doing that. I've got four more sleeps before we're back into Malawi, and you're flying at thirty-five, forty thousand feet, looking at the clouds, looking at the world, looking. And you think like, this is my father's world. What an awesome creature. He's a miracle. He's a god of miracles. You, you look at science, and you know, I watched a program recently about. You know, can science disprove the existence or the power of God? No, it can't because actually science goes so far and then it runs out. They don't even know how many stars are up there. So, how can not knowing something disprove God? But God knows every one of those stars. He made them. He planted them. He, he put the twinkle in them. And I tell you something, that's my God. He's, he's awesome. What a um, He is a miracle God. The Greek word for miracle that's used in the New Testament particularly is the word dunamis, from which we get the English word dynamite. Uh, so when we're talking about... God is a miracle. We're talking about God's a dynamite God. And when you talk about that word, dunamis, and you come back to its original meaning, it means power and strength and ability. So when we talk about God as a miracle-working God, He's a powerful God. He is a God who is able to Bring his strength into a weak situation. He's able to bring his his ability into a situation that was going nowhere. But when the God of miracles gets involved, I tell you, it's not going nowhere, it's going somewhere. Hallelujah. That's our God. He's a God of what? Come on, say it again. He's a God of Miracles. miracles. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 22 that Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, by wonders, by signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. He was accredited. His reputation was underlined, if you like, because of miracles. You know, the church has, you know, the church at large has very much turned its back a bit on that whole idea of miracles and they've done it because there's been excesses and there's been claims and there's been you know people have got disappointed and so rather than have to deal with all the disappointments and and all of the bits that you know it gets a bit awkward sometimes to talk about a God of miracles so the church basically closed down that conversation I tell you something, if you close down the conversation about God being a God of miracles, then you take away the word accredited out of that verse. Because Jesus, when he was here, he was accredited by God to you by miracles. And if we remove miracles out of our thinking, remove miracles out of our talking, remove miracles out of us believing God as a church for miracles to happen around us, we will take something away that makes the church just a church of words, just a church of of pitter-patter. And I tell you, I don't want to be part of a church that's just pitter-patter. I want to see God working in power and in changing lives, turning people around. Hallelujah. There is nothing ordinary or limited when it comes to God. He's an extraordinary God. He's supernatural. That's why we call Him all-powerful, almighty God, because there's nothing that He cannot do. Think about these verses in Matthew 19:26. It says this, Jesus looked at them and said with man it's not possible you're sat there watching this online today or you're sat here in in our theater today and you say Ah, oh, but I'm not sure this is going to happen I know with our thinking with our understanding it's not possible but with God all things are possible can't say it with me with God All things are possible. Now think for a moment about the thing that is troubling you most, that's troubling your family most. It might be a health issue. It might be a finance issue. It might be a relationship issue. It might be a mental health issue. I don't really care what it is because God's bigger than all. And I'm going to read that verse again to you and say that thing which worries you most, with God all things are possible because he is a miracle working God. In Jeremiah 32, 27, it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and he said this, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Got to ask that question. Because we do say there are things that are too hard for God in our mind. You faced some things. Maybe you faced some stuff this last week. You know, the bill came, or the situation arose, or you got into a conversation, or you had an argument, or whatever it was that happened, and you went, Oh, dear, I think I'm in a hopeless situation. Is anything too hard for God? You're going to have to answer that. I believe that if you can only answer that by saying by faith there is nothing too hard for God, that I believe you will open the door for the God of miracles to bring you His miracle, to turn your situation around. It might take some time. It might happen immediately. I don't know. I'm, I'm not the one who sets His clock. He's God. There's some stuff that I'm believing that God is going to turn around for me, and it hasn't happened yet, and I don't understand I really wish that he had. You know, this we've been praying for a number of years that God would wipe out the mortgage that we have over this building, you know, for doing all the work that we did. I don't know why it's not happened, but I do know something that even through all the COVID times or through our difficult times, God gave us enough money to pay our mortgage here every single month. And we've never, ever, ever defaulted, not even by a pound. In fact, during the time, we've even overpaid at times. You know, even during a COVID time, we made an extra payment gain, against our mortgage. It's an amazing thing. There's still a lot Then I'd like, oh God, I'd really like for you to wipe that out in one wonderful go. Wouldn't you? Yes. Wouldn't you like that for your own mortgage? Yes. Wouldn't you like that for this, that, and the other that you're facing? I don't know why God doesn't work on my timeline, <laughs> but I do know this: that He's a God of miracles, yes. and there's nothing that He can't do. And you know what? At the right time, God might just send somebody in. Uh, give me—we used to call it a Pentecostal handshake. You know, and somebody, and and, and I crumple it, and and we see this check for 400,000 pounds, go and pay your mortgage off. And I go, Yes, thank you very much, Lord. But God was faithful yesterday, He's faithful today, He'll still be faithful on that day because He's a God of miracles. He does something, not always in our time. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? No way. And we have to keep saying that to ourselves, particularly when. When in a dark night and in a dark place and there's trouble around you. Ask yourself the question, is anything? And answer yourself and say, no, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. In Psalm 77 verse 14, it says, you are a God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Wow. I love that, that he does it, but he does it to display his power. It's part of, you remember that other verse, being accredited to us because we go wow when we see God do amazing things I'm not talking about crazy stuff I'm talking about credible really authentic moments where we can see God do something and we say I love the verse in the Bible when it says we looked at what happened and this was the Lord's doing and it's amazing in our eyes not like oh yeah no but, you know well maybe it's exaggerated and maybe it was manipulated. No, we want to see something that's credible, that's authentic, that everybody, where everybody stands up and say, "This is God's doing." I don't believe there's anything that God cannot do. All the way through the Bible, you see God doing miracles. You see the Word of God is powerful because God is powerful. The Word of God is life-giving because God... and, And you can't separate the Word of God from the one who is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. His name is Jesus. His Word we read and we can declare into troubled situations. And by the way, when you declare His Word into your troubled situation, it's like Jesus Himself speaking into your situation because you can't take the word and the person of Jesus and separate them because the word and Jesus are the same thing in the beginning was the word Jesus he spoke and the worlds were formed the Holy Spirit went in action and he hovered above the creation of the earth at the word of Jesus Christ and I want to tell you something we need to learn how to speak the word of God Over our lives, over our families, over our nation, over our church, over our our wives, our husbands, our children. Don't just speak negative stuff. Don't speak gossip. Don't speak innuendo. Don't speak half the story that you heard from somebody after somebody. Speak the Word of God into a situation. Because if you want to see the God of miracles in action in your life, in our church, in our nation, then we need to learn how to speak the Word of God and restrict ourselves from speaking anything else because there is power, the Bible says, of life and or death in what we say. Why? Because He is the Word. His Word has the power to create. Originally in Genesis, He has the power to recreate. His Word brings peace in the storm. Do you remember the disciples when they were in the boat? You know, oh, trouble, 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 until Jesus spoke and said, it's peace, be still. God wants to speak. That's a miracle. That's a, you know, I think I told you this before the, the stopping of the storm was a miracle but as a, somebody who's done quite a lot of sailing in their life, the calming of the waves, now that is the miracle you know, the, the storm can go but the waves carry on a day or two but when the waves stop like that, the effect of the storm brings a calm sea and you can sail and that's what God wants to do in your life he doesn't just want to take away the trouble but he wants to stop the effect of the waves making you seasick. That's, that's God bringing peace in the storm. It brings life to what was dead. Martha and Mary, Jesus, if you'd have only been here, Jesus, our brother Lazarus would not have died, but he's dead. Even, do you remember Jairus' daughter? Eventually, the people came and said, Don't trouble any Jesus anymore, she's dead. I tell him to tell you something. When it comes to Jesus, nothing's dead until He says it's dead. You know, and He 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 came to the grave of Lazarus four days, so much so after He died, so much so that they said, "Don't open that tomb. He stinkers." According to the King James version, which you read, I know. You know, in the NIV it says, "There's a bad aroma." so so, so whether you're in a bad aroma or whether you're stinking whichever it is he rolled the stone away and said Lazarus come out and what was dead you know sometimes you've had a dream and you think it's dead You've had a situation and it it feels like it's died on you. You had a dream and it died on you. Something you felt like you've hit a brick wall and nothing. I want to tell you something. It's not dead till he says it's dead and he can speak. And you should speak life over those things. You should speak life over your body. You should speak life into your finances. You should speak life into your family, life into your children, life into your church, life into our nation. It's a time to speak the Word of God. Why? Because He's a God of miracles hallelujah he brings down the power of God the word of God bring down walls the children of Israel we spoke about it a few weeks ago over the Jordan and the first thing they saw is Jericho how are we going to hack down these walls where is the the jigger pickers to go and start you know doing all this to the walls I tell you you don't need a jigger picker when God's involved it took just one word from God and not only did these walls did not fall down they sank into the earth you read it carefully if that had just fallen down, there'd have been a heap of rubble, and the children of Israel, to go in and plunder it, would have been walking over a huge amount of rubble, and the, the Bible says they sunk into the earth. There's some evidence that, that they've seen that actually happen, and they were able to walk. They just walked through the river Jordan on dry ground, and now they were walking into Jericho with the walls sunk in the ground beneath them. Oh, I tell you, God is a miracle-working God. We need to dream again and and let God excite us again about the sort of God that He is. And some of the the walls that you think are, are ahead of you stopping you progressing, stopping you moving forward, stopping you... You feel like they've stopped you in your track. There is no wall that is too big for God to deal with for you because He is a God of miracles. Hallelujah. He's a God who destroys enemies. All the way through the Old Testament especially. You've got all these armies that rose, rose against Israel. You know, and they went out to battle and they, they were skilled in battle. Yeah, but sometimes they were. But sometimes, you know, they didn't even lift a, a sword. They didn't even go into fight. God just brought confusion in the enemies. All the enemies got, got spooked and they ran off. Why? Because he's a God of miracles. And I tell you something, there are, there are enemies against you that are enemies against me that are enemies against the things of the kingdom of God but God has said this no weapon that is formed against you will prosper God has said this I am with you and he has, he has given us our shield to defend ourselves he's given us a sword to be able to go and use in the spirit but I tell you the miracle of God is able to destroy our enemies the miracle of God gives us guidance this is the way walk you in it Oh, so many times in our lives, in our, in our personal lives, and in our ministry lives, we found ourselves being in the right place at the right time with the right people for the right purpose. And we think like, how did we get here? Well, it's a miracle. The God of miracles organized it. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Zambia, and, and I could hardly pinch myself. I, you saw me laying hands on, on Apostle Claude Zimba now who heads out our 80 or so DCI churches in Zambia. And you saw that conference with all those great pastors and all the rest of it. And I go, how in the world did this happen? i tell you how that happened. The God of miracles had us in the right place at the right time with the right people for the right purpose, and He did it. And I don't, I'm not standing here today and saying, you know, this is real, real skill from me. No, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes four more sleeps and we go to malawi and we'll we'll go and take conferences again 150 churches and pastors will be gathering together for the conference there thank you very much for helping us and if you still want to help there's, there's still room to help on that and we'll travel here then, everywhere and we'll go and i i know I'll, I'll look at the destiny school and i'll say how did this happen i'll look at the destiny orphanage and i'll say how did this happen i'll look at the lunchbox program and i'll say how did this happen how did this happen how did this happen and we'll say, this is the Lord's doing. Some of you helped it as well. Some of you gave towards it. You've prayed towards it. You've been out there with me, and you've been involved in, because that's what God does, involved in seeing the miracle happen. You know, very many times, God involves us in the miracles that are happening. Oh, hallelujah. Do you remember Naaman? He needed a miracle. He was, he was full of leprosy and. Uh, he went across to see the prophet, and the prophet just sent out his servant. He was a bit ticked off, and the servant told him to go and wash in the river Jordan seven times, and he'd walk out free. Well, Nehemiah, was, he was ticked off. So would you if you were the important person that he was. But you know, eventually his, his hand servant, his, his lady servant who, who was there said to him, if you'd have been asked to do something really important, you'd have gone and done it. Just for goodness sake, get down in that river and wash yourself seven times and see what happens. And he heard them. You see, God sometimes involves people. You could be involved in helping somebody to hear the word of God. You could be involved in helping to say to somebody, just trust God, believe God. You know, this this young girl in this story is the unsung hero in the story. We don't often talk about her, but actually she was the key that got him healed. You've got the prophet, you've got the servant, you've got Naaman, but in between there, almost never spoken about in preaching is this young girl. Who went up to the side of her boss and said, "Just do what God says." You know, maybe you could be that that lady, that that guy, that young person who goes up and says to somebody, "Just do what God says. Just hear the word of the Lord. Just go and do it." And she must have stood on the side of that river when she saw her her boss going up and down, you know, four, five, six times, thinking like, "Oh dear, if this doesn't work. I'm in trouble." Six times up, and he's still leprous. I think he came up every time and was going like this. I think he'd have had a look on his face. I think he probably caught that girl's eye. You know, and went, you got me in here, girl. Can you imagine that? Until the seventh time and he came up. Can you imagine the look on his face? And he's looking and saying, he's knocking off the the brown water of the Jordan because that's the reason he didn't want to get in there. And and then he's looking at the girl in the face and she's crying and she's jumping. and I think he came out, gave her a hug, and they went home rejoicing because they found out that God is a God of miracles. That's the awesome God that he is. Miracles brings healing. It brings wisdom. It brings insights. It brings guidance. You know, the key is this, just one word from God, can change absolutely everything. All the way from creating the world, to parting the Red Sea, to keeping the mouths of lions shut so that Daniel was kept safe, to keeping Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego cool in the fiery furnace, to pouring out the oil, just a little bit of oil, but it poured and poured and poured and poured and made a poor old widow very prosperous in her day, to the miracle of God bringing fire down on Elijah's water-drenched altar, you, you can go for the rest of the Old Testament and you, you see them. And then you go into the New Testament and it's miracles galore everywhere Jesus did. Starting with the, the first miracle that he did at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. He turned water into wine. You read that story and you think like, yeah, 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 yeah. You should have been at that wedding. You should have been hearing Mary saying to the attendants, whatever he says to you, do it. I'm watching these attendants take these 12 big vases of, I mean, gallons of water. We're in trouble, boys. Can you imagine? You know what it's like when you're catering or something. You get these little knowing looks between you. What are they doing? This is crazy. Absolutely crazy. How in the world are we going to do this? Well, i tell you something. How are we going to do this? We're going to do what God says. You know, when God says do this, then God is able to do it. That's how he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. That's how he set a man free that was, was troubled by a demon spirit. That's how he healed a leper. He, he even went, and you know the rest of the stories, but I just got one little story that I found really amusing. Well, it's not amusing, but really, really interesting. You know, when Jesus was being arrested, Peter swung his sword around and chopped the ear off one of the guys. You know, and Jesus went and got the ear. I don't know where the ear landed. I don't know if I let come in imagination for me a moment the ear must have landed he take it up and he put it on and walked away and said there you go it's sorted no anesthetic no plastic surgery no stitches no infection could you imagine that guy going home and trying to explain that to his wife (laughs) I had the most incredible experience today I saw my ear on the floor and then the miracle worker and have a look now it's still stuck that's what God can do. He can change. He is a God of miracles. Hallelujah. You know, this, this, let me just do this as I come towards the end of my message. There are miracles of provision, money, jobs, open doors, people, resources. There are miracles of protection, safety, angels, hedge surrounding us. There are miracles of healing for our body, for our soul, for our spirit, for everything to do with us. There are miracles of restoration. Anything that you think has died, God can breathe new life into it. Let, let me tell you sir. no failure needs to be terminal. There are miracles of guidance. Think about Balaam who's doing the wrong thing and an ass spoke to him. Now I know the, sometimes you think an ass spoke to you. And then you find out that it was your husband or something. But, you know, this is Balaam's ass. I mean, I mean that's a miracle. Old donkey speaking to you. That was only because he wasn't listening. There's guidance. There's miracles of guidance. There's miracles of victory. Battles can be won. The devil can be overcome. Addictions can be overcome. Why? Because God is a God of miracles. And finally, there's a miracle of the demonstration of the power of God and His authority. Awesome, isn't it? This is my final verse, and oh, I'm skidding through this, because the, the, who put the new batteries in the clock, because they're going faster today than ever. You know, in John chapter 5, there's a situation where Jesus was, came to a place called the Pool of Bethesda, and there was a man who'd been paralyzed there for 38. Say 38. 38. 38 is a long time. 38 years paralyzed. Jesus said to the man in verse 6 of John 5, he says, do you want to get well? You know you have been sick. Something went off then. Is it Am I carrying on? Yeah. When you've been sick a long time or you've been living in trouble for a long time, you get used to it. And Jesus came to this man and said, do you want to get well? I'm asking you today, do you want to get well? Do you want to get free? Do you want to get forgiven? Do you want to come out into a brand new life? Do you want to come into a beautiful place of peace and joy do you want to come into the blessing of the Lord do you want to come into a relationship with Jesus it's how we answer those questions determine decisions determine destiny it depends on what we say when Jesus says and I believe that Jesus is saying to you today saying to you at home today do you want to get well do you want to get blessed do you want to prosper do you want to sort this out do you want to come free do you want to set be set free And the man's answer is insightful. He said, I don't have anybody to help me. And standing right in front of him was the one who could help him totally because he was the God of miracles. Hallelujah. There's somebody standing in your place right now. His name is Jesus. And he's saying, I can help you. I'll give you a new life. I'll give you forgiveness, I'll give you hope, I'll give you joy, I'll give you peace, I'll heal your body, I'll sort your finances, I'll guide you, I'll be with you, you'll, you'll, wow, what an awesome God he is. And to answer the boy when he said, I've got nobody to help me, Jesus said this in John 5 verse 8, get up, pick up your mat and walk, three things, get up, pick up your mat and walk, that order. God wants to say to somebody today, it's time to get up. Why did he tell him to pick up his mat? He wasn't just being tidy. His mat equaled the thing that he lay on, which was his crippled mat, his. Paralyzed mat. It represented the thirty year eight years before. And his mat was to that was no longer going to be there anymore. His comfort mat was no longer going to be there. Jesus said, get up. And I believe that God wants to say to us today, to somebody here, maybe somebody watching me as well. Get up. Get rid of the mat, your comfort mat. And now it's time to walk. And the man could have said, I can't walk. But I tell you, when God speaks something, the God of miracles brings life. He brings healing. He brings restoration. And the man who had not walked for 38 years suddenly found out that he could walk again. And I tell you, you're going to find out you can walk. You're going to find out that you can have hope for your future. You're going to find out that God is there and he's with you. He wants to help you. If you're not a Christian, what do you want? You want him to be your savior. And today's the day that you could give your life to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm coming to give my life to you. And he's going to say to you in life, get up, leave your mat the old life behind. And now it's time to walk for God. Oh, God is awesome, isn't he? You know, I I just feel like I just want to give God an appreciation, a great hand clap to say, God, you are an awesome God, a miracle working God. You are absolutely awesome. Now I'm going to ask you, come and stand with me. We're going to sing this song about Jesus being our miracle worker. Come on and stand and sing it out. He's our miracle worker.